Do not fear. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. My brothers, my sisters in Christ. A boss will make or break a work environment. Haven't you found that to be true? A good boss is trustworthy, is kind, is respectful. A good boss gives you time off for Christmas. A good boss is not micromanaging. A good boss will listen to your suggestions. If he or she disagrees, they will do so respectfully. A good boss is worthy of your respect. And a good boss creates a peaceful work environment, a safe work environment, where you can just focus on the task you got in front of you and do your job. A bad boss is the exact opposite. A bad boss does micromanage. A bad boss gives you the impression that they don't trust you to do anything right on your own. A bad boss will not listen to your suggestions. A bad boss won't give you the time off that you asked for. A bad boss will play the boss card. We'll say, you got to listen to me because I'm the boss. And the effect of a bad boss is the exact opposite of a good boss. You don't feel safe in the work environment. You don't feel like you can just do your job because you're anxious about what the bad boss will come and criticize you about next. Here's my question for us on Christmas. If we were employees in an office where our supervisor, our boss, was God, how would you feel? If God treated us as employees the same way he treats us as human beings, is that a good work environment or a bad work environment? Today, as we examine the words that God inspired the prophet Isaiah to write for us, Isaiah is giving good news to people who are in a very bad situation. And it's good news for us, too, when we listen to him. Because Isaiah paints a picture, he leads us to picture a battle herald coming over a mountain. Because in Isaiah's day, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have the the news, they didn't have any kind of social media. If a war was going on, the only way you could find out any updates is if somebody ran to you and told you. So they had guys whose job this was, to run, to literally run and bring the news of the battle. Isaiah has a picture, a battle herald running over the mountain, bringing us what he calls good news. Your God reigns. The good news that this battle herald gives to us is God is in charge. God is king. But do you think that's always good news? Do you think that was good news for the Israelites as they heard Isaiah preaching? God is in charge? Yeah, Isaiah, we figured that. Because the end-of-year performance review had been in for the Israelites, and it was rife with mistakes, with idolatry, with sin. And there they sat in a foreign nation, conquered, their home destroyed. The prized city of Israel, Jerusalem, lay in ruins. 
God is in charge. Yeah, we figured that because he was the one that let all this happen. It looked like they had been fired from being God's people. Is the fact that God is in charge good news? The year 2020 has been reviled as the worst year ever for a variety of reasons. Look at everything that has happened over the past year. There's this pandemic that's going on. I'm not sure if you remember that. There are these divides in our country that are being strengthened almost every second, like gasoline being poured onto a fire. This group hates that group even more now. And there's unrest and there's people arguing. All this stuff is going on and God's just letting it happen. God's in charge? Is that a good thing? But aside from that, the scariest, most distressing thing about God being in charge is not what's happening out there. It's not what's happening in society or in our world or in matters of disease. The scariest thing about God being in charge is, what is he going to do with me? The almighty, eternal God has been present at every moment of my life. He's seen exactly what I've done. From that time that I mouthed off to my parents when I was 10 years old, to my brazen behavior as a teenager, and now into my struggles and failures in my 20s, God has seen it all. And he has the right to give me what I deserve. He has the right to punish me for my sin. The fact that God is in charge does not bring a sinner like me or you comfort, does it? Unless, unless he's going to use that authority to do something different. Unless he's going to use his authority to deal with our sin in a different way than giving us what we deserve. Listen again to the good news that Isaiah shares with you and me. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, that's you and me now, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. My brothers and sisters, what is this good news that this herald brings? As we wait in our city, in our home, waiting for the news of the battle, biting our nails anxious, and as we see the herald come over the mountains, what does he have to say? We won the war. It's over. Peace. Peace between you and God. Peace on earth and God's goodwill toward mankind. That's the good news. That's the news that is so beautiful when you hear it. Even the feet of the person that brings it seem beautiful to you. Because the punishment for your sin has been dealt out. 
That's what the Christmas child, Jesus Christ, was born to do. When the angels appeared to those shepherds, they proclaimed, A baby has been born to you. But they didn't call him a baby, remember? They said, A Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, God himself, rode into our human situation. Jesus bore your sin and forgiveness. You are at peace with God. The war is over. The violence of God's anger against sin has already been dealt out, and you will never see it yourself because Jesus tasted it for you. It's over. You've won. Celebrate your victory. Like your favorite team winning the Super Bowl times a thousand, Isaiah commands us, he demands that we run and shout for joy. You notice how much shouting is going on in this lesson. We should whoop and holler that we're victorious in Christ. But isn't there a little wrinkle to this victory? If we're so victorious, why does all this bad stuff keep happening? If God's in charge and he forgives us and he loves us so much, then what about the mess the world is in right now. Isaiah spoke to that. Did you catch it? It's at the end of our lesson when he says, Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. As the Israelites sat in exile in Babylon, wondering, how can God make any good come of this? God was the one that allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed. But God is the one who, through his comfort and his redemption, would make the rubble itself sing his praises. God does let bad things happen. That does not mean he is out of control. Look at the life of Jesus. Born at that first Christmas, that beautiful evening to Mary and Joseph. But from the second he entered our human situation, he had encountered nothing but hardship and evil. If anyone knows how evil this world can be, it's Jesus. Because from the second his, his life started, he got nothing but criticism. He was attacked by Satan himself and the demons. He, his whole life for 33 years was beaten, was attacked, even killed. But did any of that stop him? No. Not even death itself. Not even the evilest side of human beings. Not even Satan could stop Christ from completing his mission of forgiving your sins. Brothers and sisters, as evil as the world can be, as messed up as things are, God will not be stopped from reigning, from ruling, and from loving you. Isaiah says it like this. He bears his arm, his holy arm. It's kind of like if you walked up to somebody who was really muscular and you challenged them to an arm wrestling competition. And they don't say a word to you. They just roll up their sleeve and kind of flex their bicep as if to say... You don't want to go there with me. That's God. To all of your enemies. To sin. To death. To the devil. To conflict. 
to strife, to everything wrong with this world, God rolls up his sleeve, he flexes his bicep, and he says, you don't want to go there with me. I'm in charge, and I love him or her. I will do whatever it takes to comfort them, to redeem them, and to show them my grace. That's what Christmas is all about. So do what it will, the evil of the world cannot pry you out of your loving Father's hand. He loves you. He comforts you. And you know that one day, all the ends of the earth will see just how mighty, just how powerful to save your God is. That's the good news. God is in charge. And he's a good boss. He doesn't micromanage. He loves you. He doesn't have way too high of expectations for you. He forgives you. He's not waiting for you to impress him. You're already impressive to him in Christ. God loves you more than a human boss could, more than a human being could. He loves you beyond all reason. He gives you a peace that goes beyond human understanding. That's your God. And that's the good news of great joy. Amen.